Thanks for tuning in to the Westbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. We'd love for you to check out our website, westbridgedanville.com, for additional resources. Here's today's message by Pastor John McDougall. Thank you, Wes, and worship team. And good morning, church family. How are we doing today? Are we, are we hanging in there? Congrats on making it through the first week, seven days of sub, uh, sub 32 temps this winter. Man, what a, uh, what a, uh, well done. We give everybody a, hey, a fist bump on that. The, uh, I was thinking all the things that it perfect for our, we're going through trial series and the Lord is just syncing up the weather in such a, a nice way for that. But looking forward to the temps raising a little bit next week, but, Good to be together. I love what uh, Ella Kimmel's, I heard, um, she grew up in Minnesota. Her mom taught her to say, there is no bad weather, there's only bad gear. I was like, hey, yeah, that, that is a good attitude, brings the biking out in us. But a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, had a great week, but it was a, at the end of a great week, you often just out of gas and sliding into Sabbath, Monday for me, just completely spent and Good spent, but spent. And I was out of energy, out of gas on every level. And I wrote in my journal three questions. And it was just like, Lord, remind me, who am I? And why am I here? And my purpose, and how do I accomplish what you've called me to do while I'm here? And just thought about those three questions as I was gaining strength again for the next week. And that first question Lord, who am I? And it was so good to go back to that chasing humility liturgy that just to be reminded, I am your dearly loved child. And I am a fragile creature, utterly dependent upon you. I'm a sinner saved by your grace. And I am a servant who has been blessed to be a blessing. Like, okay, Lord, that's who I am, but what am I to be doing? And just to hear him say again, hey, John, two words, follow me. Follow me, Jesus focused into a life of love, loving God and loving the people around you for for my glory, and then say, all right, Lord, I see that, but how? And then to be reminded of our five habits, and it's not that complicated, right? It's worship, (laughs) reach, thinking about who is he placed in my life to, to influence and to point towards him. Connect. Who are the people that God wants me within the body to build up and love and, and strengthen, grow? What, um, how am I meeting with you in your word and hearing from you and talking with you in prayer and then serve? Okay, what's my ministry right now and what, what, how, how should I be doing that? But then I remember there's five habits plus one that God uses to transform us and to um, really, as part of our life mission, and, and the plus one in light of our series. And what, it, what is that? It's outside of our control. It starts with a T. It ends with an L. The one transforming factor that, that we don't control, and yet God uses it to transform us and to fuel our life mission, and it is trial. And what are the trials that God is has bringing into my life that might shape me to be more like Christ, propel me into life mission. And it left me thankful um, all over again that he has equipped us in his word with how to navigate trials. And so in this series, this core work, we're looking at four different kinds of trials in this trial matrix. We've looked at the testing. We've looked at pruning. This week, we're down 
in this bottom left quadrant. And I was thinking about category, and it didn't hit me when we put this series together, but it kind of syncs up with hurricanes. You know how hurricanes go from category one, two, three, four. They, these do kind of intensify, and, extra, and next week will be um, our final one, and it, it's, a, uh, it's a good one. Don't want to miss that. But this week, excited for what God has for us. It's found in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and what we'll do is we'll read through the whole text Hebrews 12, 1 to 13, and then we'll go break it down and, and we'll look at the reflex that God gives us for this, this kind of trial, this category of trial. So if you would join me there, Hebrews chapter 12, familiar passage, precious, precious text where he, chapter 11, he's just gone through what pleases God as a, a life of faith, believing that he exists and he rewards those who trust him, follow him. And then he lists all these people who walked by faith and he concludes there in verse chapter verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who have found God to be faithful, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So in this context, he's saying, okay, there's a race to run, the race of life. First step is throw some stuff off. Two categories, stuff that hinders you, good things that, that are keeping you back from from your right, from running well. But where we're going to lock in on today is, and the sin that so easily entangles you. So there is sin, and it's, notice it easily entangles you, gets wrapped around us, and it slows us in running the race that God created us to run. And the question is, how do we throw this off? And that's, we'll develop that as we go. But he goes on and says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, so again, you might circle this in your text. This is where we're going to be today. In your struggle against sin. So when he writes that, what's, what's he saying? We're, we're in a fight. There is a... a force that we're, we're running against, and, and we're a sin that, that it's not easy. And you think about, you go many different pictures of sin, but, but it's that uh, it wants to stop us. It wants to prevent us. It wants to choke us out. It wants to entangle us. It is a struggle. And the danger is that we would become discouraged in our struggle as the text develops. He says, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. <laughs> so what's he doing right here? He's stinging us a little bit with shame hey looking back at jesus he bled died is anybody here bleeding as you do battle against sin no so before we get discouraged and lose heart in our struggle against sin hey hey no one's bleeding here yeah he kind of pushes us a little bit verse three says and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son it says, my son, he's quoting Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. So there it is again. Don't be discouraged. Walk out of the gym. Um, stay with it because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens the, everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not, a true, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them, them for it. 
How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can I get an amen? Especially kids. <laughs> it is just painful. And this is why this, this is going to fall into the category of trial. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Important concept there. It's a process of training. Therefore, and I love the way this ends, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And so category three of our trial could be summed up by this word, discipline. God there are times when God allows us or, or uh, confronts our sin. And, and really, this is where he's going after a specific sin issue in our life. And uh, he will allow pain, a, a minor pain, to hit us to prevent a major pain down the road. And his emphasis here, or his purpose here, and this is so important, is not, not, not to punish us. So I'll say that again. This is really important to get. When God allows discipline or a trial to come into our life that creates pain, his purpose is not to punish us. You say, why? How, how can that be? Jesus, if you are in Christ, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he took all of the punishment that you deserve, that we deserve. All of it. Past, present, future. He bore our wrath in full. So the, the, the purpose of our Father's discipline is not punishment. It is training. It's correction. It's, it's like what a parent does for their, um, for their children. It's to train them up. But, so Jesus took all of our, pain, our, our punishment, but our Father loves us enough that when he sees a sin wrapping its tentacles around our, our feet, sees a sin entangling us, he will not just let us flounder. He will discipline us. And the purpose of his discipline is to lead us to repentance. Back to verse 1, it's to throw off the sin. Say, how do I throw off the sin that so easily entangles one of the ways we can do it ourselves, hopefully that's, as we learn, self-discipline, that's the goal. But if we don't do that, the Father will allow pain into our lives so that we will throw off that sin. The danger here, though, the threat, is that when he disciplines us, we misinterpret it and we either ignore it or we, uh, we become discouraged under it. We lose heart. We quit. We want to fall down on the gym floor or walk out of the gym. I'm done. And rather than say, no, God's at work. The Father's at work. I need to um, bear up under this and, and grow. What makes, di question, what makes discipline so hard and painful? Just think about even human discipline with times that you've been as a kid growing up, but also as an adult under the Father's discipline, what, what makes it so hard? And I was thinking, I, it's just hard for me to confront my own failure. I just hate being a failure. There's that side of it. It's also, I don't like to be told what to do. I don't like to be told no. I don't like to be told that I was unwise, that, that I don't know it all, <laughs> that, that I'm wrong in this situation. 
Discipline is that guardrail that God puts where, where our will collides with his will, and there's that pain point, and it's just hard, isn't it? And this is why it falls into the category of, of a trial. But it's so necessary. It also exposes our idols, those things we love and value above him, and calls us to bring those into, into check. And so the writer of Hebrews, in this text, you, you really feel he comes alongside of us like a coach and, and is encouraging us, stay in the process, stay in the gym. When the Father begins to put discipline on you and you feel that pain, don't give up, don't lose heart, stay with it, to which we say, okay, how? And so we'll give the reflex and then we'll walk through the how, which is really the rest of the text. So here's the reflex. Endure discipline, knowing the Father is helping me throw off a sin that's entangling me. Endure discipline. It's that idea of let it do its transforming work. Stay with it. Run through it. You say, where is this at in the text, John? Verse 7 is the, really the core of the text from which the rest will flow. And the first part of it says, endure hardship as discipline. So we have this on the screen. The, uh, this is an, an unfortunate translation, and maybe your translation doesn't have this, but the, the NIV, I know why they put this here. It's, it reads better and it's helpful. But in the Greek, this is only three words, and hardship is not in the text. It's been supplied to help us understand it. So I would encourage you to write this in your Bible, and we'll go ahead and put up the next slide. Here's what the verse says, and this is really helpful because we're going to unpack from here. For discipline endure. I, I wrestled with that this week, and honestly, I always read this with hardship in there, but, but it, it, we miss, I think we missed the point of what God's calling us to if we don't understand what this means. What does he mean for discipline endure? saying you got to stay with the process. He's, he's elevating. God is doing something in discipline. So when discipline comes, when you feel the pain of, of a trial that's his going after one of our sins, you got to endure it, endure it, endure it. So this is why as we reflex to this, when a trial comes and we realize, hey, it's a sin in my life, God is wanting me to deal with, wanting me to repent from, um, and, and now I've received some pain around this area endure the discipline for discipline endure to which we say how how do we do this when it's hard i don't like it there's how do we do this and that's the rest of the text and it's really it's like the coach is saying i've got four reasons why you want to endure under discipline stay in the gym with this first one there is in verse seven and eight it says and we'll give, i'll give you a word and then the explanation of it but First to the text, he says this, Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters. So the first reason to endure the process of discipline is love. Discipline is an expression of the father's love. I love that text that he quotes out of Proverbs chapter 3 where he says, the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. If you are his child, he will discipline you. <laughs> and, uh, but I so appreciate what's God want us to know right off the bat. The first thing he wants us to know. 
when the discipline comes, know that I love you. Know that I love you. Know that this is coming out of a heart of love, and this is coming to help you and to shape you and to help you run your race and win your race for, my, for his glory. I'm so thankful that the Lord puts this category of trial into a context that we can quickly understand and relate to, aren't you? Father, son, parent, child, mom, dad, kid, and discipline. Parents, how many of us would rank our parenting joy moments? Where, where would you put discipline in, in the realm of, you know, one being zero, very little joy, 10 being max joy? Where does the, the discipline moment come for you? It's probably unanimous for us. It's one. We hate those moments. Oh, and thus the infamous phrase that we've all probably said as parents, this hurts me more than it hurts you, to which the kid's like, ah, why are we doing it? It's true though, isn't it? Oh, agonizing to have to go. But if you are a a loving mom and dad, negligence is hate. And you will do, when you see deceit, you you will confront deceit because you know deceit is at the heart of breaking trust and relationship for a lifetime if this kid doesn't win that fight now. When you see rebellion, you will go after disobedience. You will go after because you know if they don't get this, one to five and for sure five to ten, teenagers, their life is at risk and are as the lives of others. And ultimately, they will not submit to their heavenly father. As a parent, man, you battle. Why? Because you love them. You know that, that it will only go well with them if they learn this. But discipline is not enjoyable for anyone involved, especially for everyone. (laughs) So here's the thing. When the father disciplines us, does he enjoy that? No. If we feel pain as human parents, how much more does he feel pain when he must allow pain into our lives? Because it's the only thing that's going to check us up. And it's good to know that. So when he sees us struggling to throw off a sin, When he sees you struggling with a sin that will disintegrate your relationship with him and your relationship with others, he will discipline the one he loves. So I was reflecting on this this week. One of the just kind of just flows out of this text. It's it's a motivator to repent and confess our sin, isn't it? If you belong to Christ, if you've trusted him and you choose a willful sin, promise He's coming. He he will allow discipline into your life. He will discipline you. The story that came to my mind, and we can look through the scripture and see examples of this, but Jonah, remember God said, hey, go to Nineveh, and he's, nope. He goes to Tarshish, and so God disciplined him. He allowed a storm into his life, and he realized, Jonah realizes it, says, throw throw me overboard. I'm despairing of this. I'm done, and God in his grace wasn't done with him. He sends a fish, and he... um, Great place to repent. Three days, nights in the belly of a fish. He repents and he gets to go do his mission. And the uh, I had a friend who was sharing how he had um, in the had, had been caught up with uh, chasing money, love of money, and greed, and it was just all about making money. And he had just bought a really expensive watch. And he was driving one day. Van flipped three times incredible that he came out of that without a scratch but the one thing that was gone was his watch couldn't find it looked all over the car looked all over every could not find his watch and he took that as a clear 
discipline from the Lord. And it checked him up, helped him change. Our fathers, I found our father's discipline is usually preceded by several gracious uh, warnings to turn around. Even today, a text like this is a warning to us. If there's a sin in our life, to, to turn around, stop, to repent, or he will discipline us. But the danger is that we respond, um, rather than respond with repentance, we, we grow weary, lose heart. And so we want to quit trying. So our reflex today is, is just, all right, here's the reflex. Endure discipline knowing my father loves me and he's seeking to help me throw off this sin. One of the questions that came to my mind as I was thinking about this this week, thought maybe some of us have that same question is, does discipline lessen over time? Does God drop the, the discipline over time? And we don't know for sure in Scripture. So this is, I'll share with you my opinion, but this is not equal to Scripture. This is very fallible, but you can look at Scripture in your own experience. But I think that the uh, fact that he uses father-child relationship may inform some of this. The goal of discipline is self-discipline, that we would discipline ourselves. And just as in a parent-child relationship, as a, a child learns to discipline themselves, do we have to continue to discipline? And no, I, I think it does lessen over time. And then out of experience, haven't you found in your own life some sins as you um, respond and re- you repent from those, you go through a season of discipline, they become repulsive. Like you don't even want to even do that. It's like, ah, you, you want to flee from those. And so there's no need of the discipline. And so... I think, I think it does over time. There are always new sin struggles that we wrestle with, but hopefully we're, we're learning how to be quick to repent. And so um, first reason that, that we want to endure the process of discipline, we know our Father loves us. He's doing this for our good. Second is, we find in verse 9, where he says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to our Father the father of spirits, and live. And so the second reason is, the word is blind spots. I need this discipline to reveal my blind spot. Looking back at your three-year-old self, aren't you thankful for your mom and dad who just stuck with it? (laughs) Disciplining you to, um, you know, again and again and again, correcting you in those areas that that you were off or had, had that blind spot. I think of uh, what a gift it is. And this week, I was, even this, uh, this morning, I texted my dad and just thanked him for all his hard work and disciplining me. And we could take a moment real quick and just, this text may make you want to text your mom, dad, hey, just thank you for doing this. But what a gift, you know, to have parents who check us up in our deceit, check us up in our disobedience again and again and again. One of the earliest memories that I have in, in my life is laying on my back, looking up at my mom and just screaming at her in a time of discipline, just so ticked. And I think, man, what a little terrorist I was. And, you know, as a pastor, you, you, uh, one of the great joys is gathering with a young family, a new, uh, parents of a newborn and just celebrating this precious gift of life. And so we pray praise, you know, in that time and just thank the Lord for this gift. The prayer I don't pray, but, but I, I often think is, Lord, would you just transform this tyrant 
as soon as possible <laughs> for the joy of this mom and dad. Because those threes and twos, man, they are brutal. Left to ourselves, we are little terrorists, aren't we? We're, we're self-centered. This is my life, my world, my universe. And everybody better get in line as soon as possible or I will cry out with the scream. And, uh, and we're a danger to ourselves and a danger to everyone apart from the disciplining effect of, of mom and dad. So praise God for a, we look back now and we say, boy, I'm so thankful for my mom and dad. Here he's saying, how much more should we look up and say, thank you, Father, for, for disciplining me. For uh, the times when you saw my blind spy and you stepped in and, and helped me and, and even used pain to do that. The, uh, he notices our impure motives, think, you know, our parents can kind of gauge what's going on. But he knows perfectly what's going on in our hearts. He knows what we need. The, uh, what a gift to have the one who is all-knowing, awakening us to our blind spots and leading us to life. I was thinking when we get to the end of our journey and look back, I, we will praise our Father all over again, won't we, for times we may not have even seen, but just, Father, thank you for your grace. And so... When we're in the pain of discipline, though, in the moment, first we're thinking, we're remembering, okay, endure this discipline. I know my father loves me. He's helping me. Second, I blind spots. I have some blind spots that I need his help. And so this discipline is helping me with that. The third reason to endure the process of discipline is there in verse 10, where he says, they disciplined us, our human parents, for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And so the third reason is transformation, that we may share the purpose of discipline is our transformation. And it's profound when you read that phrase, that we may share in the holiness of God. It's that picture of becoming like Christ. And I love, okay, as parents, we all have those moments of disciplining our children where we wish we could go back and replay that. We we did not do that in a, a way that was good for anyone and to think that our father never has any of those discipline moments aren't you thankful for that he kind of draws that out they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best (laughs) our parents did the best they could we do the best we can as parents but God disciplines us for our good he knows exactly what we need he provides just the discipline at just the time for just the duration to transform us into the image of of Christ, so that we may share in his holiness. Why is it that God calls us to endure the process of discipline? What, why, why, the, why is this so important? What, why must we not lose heart? Why must we endure the pain of discipline and, and stay with it? Thinking there's something that happens to us in the process of having to face our pain or the pain that we call our sin causes that not only um, causes us to be sorry for that and repent and confess that but it transforms us never wanting to do that again have you noticed that in your own life so roll back and as I tell this story you can think about your own story I'm sure we all have one I was fourth grade at the time my uh, sense of self and identity was very much in flux very fragile so that 
on this day, I, my primary goal was to impress my friend, my new friend named Steve. He was coming over, first time he was coming over to our house to shoot his pellet gun. And I had told him, hey man, I, yeah, we'll go shoot the pellet gun out in the woods. We had to talk mom into letting us go, but she ran us through the whole safety thing and we, she let us go. And the woods was out here behind the church. So we, uh, we came out here and had a great time as far as I can remember, shooting birds, squirrels, trees, whatever. As we were going to leave, this picture of the church last week um, brought this memory to mind. Mayhan, man, are you sleeping? It's hot up in the booth today. These guys might be sleeping, but I need a picture here, brother. Where's it at? <laughs> All right. Can we do better next service on this? All right. So if you look at those windows in the back, there's I think one or two more others on the other side. One of those is, was my dad's office. As we're coming up, we're like, hey, what if we do some target practice? Sniper mode, we'll fall down in the grass and just practice on these windows. They're strong windows, surely it won't hurt them, and you can hear the little ding. And so you know if you hit your target. I'm like, oh, great idea. <laughs> so we're practicing, go home. It's good for a couple weeks until the day. Dad's like, John, when you and Steve were out here shooting the pellet gun, did you shoot the church windows? (laughs) Yep. But it was Steve's idea. (laughs) Long story short, I had a meeting with Dad and the Board of Education. And he made me come into his office Look at that window with Mr. Maxey, who is a, the chairman of our uh, leadership team, a guy I loved and respected, and made me, and I had, I confessed my sin. I crying to him and commit, committed to repay the, the damages for the rest of my childhood mowing lawns if, if necessary. And Mr. Maxey was super gracious and didn't make me do all that. But uh, that was one of the most painful discipline moments of my life. What if dad had just said, oh man, John, Come on, man, you know better than that. We don't shoot church windows. Think about it next time, all right? Let's go throw some ball or play some ball. And it was all good. I might have learned something from that, but would that discipline moment have transformed me? And you know what that moment did for me? It, one, it made me face the, the pain of what my sin had done. But it continues to discipline me in that why did I agree to shoot the church windows when I knew it wasn't a good idea? Why did I agree to do that? I wanted to please my friend, people pleasing. Today, what is one of my, a threat that I face? Please people. And man, but dad slowed me down, made me look at it. And even today, the pain, the process of that discipline, it didn't just correct me, it transformed me. I never want to go back and uh, shoot church windows. All right, so how do we endure discipline? The last one here is, a beautiful, is, a, uh, is found in verse, verse 11, where he says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so this final reason is a beautiful life. The goal of discipline, the result of discipline, is that we might have a, a harvest of, 
Uh, righteousness, with, which means we are prone to do good, do the right things with the right heart, and peace. And it's that picture of shalom, right? Peace with God, peace with others, peace within. So as we allow discipline to train us up, we become strong to do what is right, and we become a life-giving presence rather than a life-sapping presence. A couple weeks ago, we appreciated Tim and Kimmy Howard opening up their home for our staff Christmas party and their family. So it was a bunch of people. They lined these out, white tables out in the basement for as far as you could see. And there you had kids and parents and moms, dads of all ages sitting around the table enjoying what felt like a little taste of heaven. But as I was watching the the parents, moms and dads with their younger kids, I was seeing discipline in motion at a, a low level. And one, I was just, we have an amazing staff. If you ever wonder about how to parent, just grab one of them, buy them coffee, and, and they are a wealth of wisdom and doing an amazing job raising their kids. But it, but it made me think, how can we all sit at a family table together like that and have that moment? The only way that happens is lots of discipline. And so what if at some point, this didn't happen in the dinner, but what if at some point one of the kids picked up a fork and ching, chucked the fork across the room and everybody's ducking and all of a sudden a good fun meal becomes a dangerous place. Mom, dad, they go into discipline mode. Hey, we don't do that at the dinner table. And so eventually the kid becomes safe to have dinner with and can join the family, join the meal. The father does the same for us, doesn't he? So that eventually we will be a person who is safe to be at the table rather than a, a life-sapping presence and, and uh, is throwing forks at, our, at people. <laughs> we're, uh, we're bringing life and we're with our words and with our actions. But how does it happen? It's discipline. It's discipline. So just neat that the end goal of discipline is really relationship. It's love. It's, it's, um, and the joy of that for everyone. So I love the way he wraps this up. So he comes to the end of this, and you really feel the coach here in verses 12 and 13, a final challenge. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So the final challenge is strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Did he just call us weak? He just called, he looked at your arm and called you weak and said, hey, your knee, strengthen it. And do you feel the hope in this text, the call up? What's he saying? What is sin? What does sin do to us? It disables us. It makes us lame. It keeps us from running the race. When the father sees a sin in us and we're allowing a sin to wrap itself into our core, it's like it's eating away. So he's saying, hey, Discipline is the process whereby he is strengthening you. He is healing you. What's he mean when he says, uh, make level paths for your feet? He means run the right path. In, in scripture, this is when you hear uh, a level path. It's do the right thing. Do the good thing. Follow the right way so that the lame may not be disabled. Or what is lame may not be permanently lame. And, and that you would rather be healed. And the beautiful hope that flows out of this challenge is the Father's end goal for you and for me through the times of discipline, when we feel that pain, is healing. It is that what is broken, the sin areas in our life that are broken, that are keeping us from running our, our race well, <clears throat> they're healed so that we are brought to strength and we can run this race. Strong arms, strong knees, ready to run the race that, that God has called us to run. Isn't that awesome? I felt that even as I woke up this morning, just hearing God say, hey, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. 
Quit the pity party. Quit, quit, quit whining about the pain. You know, don't walk out of the gym yet. Stay here because I'm helping you grow. And, and yeah, it's going to hurt. We need the pain. We need the pain. But it's going to help. It's going to help you run. So strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Isn't that awesome? Love that. The, uh, so conclusion, bringing it all together. The, uh, when the trial comes and you're processing through these, this trial matrix, okay, which one of these? Is this a James 1 testing? Is this a John 15 pruning? Is this, uh, oh, I can't tell you what next week is, but is this a, uh, a discipline? And you realize, yep, this is a discipline. And the Holy Spirit helps us th- with this. He, we grieve him and he will convict us and make us feel miserable. What do I do? in this moment. I'll be tempted to just get mad at myself, get mad at the Lord, perhaps lose heart, but rather the reflex is I need to endure this process of discipline because I know four reasons. And so I pull out my my life hack cheat cheat sheet and it it shows me Hebrews chapter 12. And I go back and I read it and I'm reminded of these disciplines. Okay, the father loves me. All right, blind spot. I, I need his help to see what I can't see. Transformation. He's, he's making me holy through this. And fourth, he, this discipline, is his goal is leading me into a beautiful future. And then I hear that challenge. So strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Yeah. All right. Here we go. And we carry on. You know, I, this text led me to an unexpected spot this week, and it was gratitude. Is so thankful for the father. Aren't you thankful for a father who loves us enough to discipline us? So grateful. And so as we go to prayer, just invite you to, um, I think perhaps he's leading us all to confession, repentance, if there's an area of sin we need to change. But I'll just give a moment to also let you, in your own words, thank the father for, for just his love and ministry to us in the times of discipline. And so let's go to prayer at this time. Father, we just thank you so much for the salvation that you've given us through Christ and to be able to run into your presence and call you dad and Abba, Father, and to know you love us, that our joy is your passion and our well-being is your passion. And we thank you for the times that you have a lot of discipline to check us up and to, to make us more like Christ. Lord, the picture that's coming to my mind is of um, the prodigal son and who uh, hurt his father and took the inheritance, went, and yet his father was waiting there for him. And when he came, he wrapped him up with a hug and, and just celebrated. And it was just, we see your love, Father, in that moment, and we thank you. And I just pray today that there's a sin area in, in my life individually pray Lord if there's something we need to to repent of and confess to you that you would make that known and that uh, that we would let you do your work help us to become more like Christ and help us to be quick to repent to follow you thank you for your word to us today and we pray this in Jesus name
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to talk with someone about today's message, you can contact us through our website, westbridgedanville.com. And we'd love to help you take your next step in your walk with Jesus.